All right, everybody, it's so good to see you guys. My name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here at Arise Church. We're all about helping people follow Jesus, meaning we want to help you follow Jesus and also for you to help others because um, that is the path to the fullest life. Um, I hope that you guys are getting one of these Hope Sweet Hope boxes. Everybody should get one, even if it's not for you, even if you're coming in person because people need these. We want to get them in people's hands. Amanda's here. She was saying, hey, I had one in my car and I just happened to get in a conversation with a coworker about church and boom, here you go. Here's a box. And I love that. So make sure you take one to give to somebody and, and, and give somebody hope this holiday season. All right, well, it's, it's great to see you guys. Um, today we are in our part three of our message series, The Thrill of Hope. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. That's where we're going to be diving into today. If you miss parts 1 or 2, go to risedenver.com media. We have audio, video, and the transcript of every message. You can subscribe to make sure you get those to your podcast app or to your YouTube feed every single week. Because we say, hey, you got to worship weekly even if you can't physically be here. And we know a lot of people are watching online right now, listening, so please do that. Um, so yeah, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Also, important announcement. Next Sunday, next Sunday, there is no in-person services. Okay, I just want to make that very clear. No in-person services next Sunday. There is going to be an online service. We have a special online service and, and we're working on it. I'm really actually excited about it. I think it's going to be a special service, but, but we're giving all the staff a week off. I think it's going to be a really good thing because we're all working our tails off um, this, this month, but it's going to be great. So please join us online, but don't come here in person. You will be locked out and cold, okay? Don't come here in person, but please join us online for next week's service. Okay, so we're talking about hope for the future. In this series, this, it's, we're all about hope because hope is so important this season, especially this year especially, and we've talked in the first week about hope for our past because sometimes it's things in our past that hold us back and make us think the future can't get any better. And that's why we learned in week one of this series that your past doesn't define your future, God does. He can be the one that does, defines your future, not what happened in your past. And last week we talked about help in the present because sometimes in those difficult moments it's hard to get through, but we learned a really cool big idea, I hope you remember this one, that Jesus is the lion on your side. If you're like, what does that mean? You need to go back and listen to that message. And today we're going to be talking about hope for the future because we need hope for the future because sometimes we're like, man, things are just going bad, right? The, the world's going downhill. Our, our nation's going downhill. How can things ever get better? And that's why we need hope for the future. And what happens in our culture, I've noticed this, just whatever the problem is, whatever the problem is, we look to the government to fix it. Okay? This is just what we do. I remember having lots of conversations, whatever it is. Why doesn't somebody do about something about this? And what are we talking about? We're talking about the government, right? And, and, and yet we all have these frustrations and disappointments with our government, don't we? Every single one of us, no matter our party, no matter uh, our affiliation or lack thereof, we all have frustrations and disappointment with the government. So how do we have hope for the future if our government lets us down. And I do think we have those frustrations about our government. I remember last year, I, I was, we were due a, a big tax return um, from the IRS, and we were kind of looking forward to it. You know, you kind of start spending it in your mind. Don't you do that, right? And, and then a few weeks later, nothing had come, okay? I, I check online, oh, it's pending. Okay, I wait a few more weeks, uh, still no check, no deposit in the bank account. I check again, pending, right? Okay, what's going on? So I, I, I do all some research, and I try to figure it out, and I find the phone number for the IRS, which in itself is difficult to do. I call them up. If you want to know about your refund, press 1. I press 1. 
your refund is pending. Okay, same news, okay? I press one, but nothing, okay? I try to press zero for operator, can't get a hold of anybody. So I wait a few more weeks, because it's pending, right? And now we're talking multiple months from when I was supposed to receive this. And they say, okay, you know, it's only a matter of days, but it's been way past that amount of days, right? So I, I call again, press one, your refund is pending, okay? There's gotta be a way to get through to a real person, right? I try every single number on there, can't get through to a real person. Has anybody ever had an experience like this? You know, so then I, I do some sleuthing online. Somebody has got to have found a real person at the IRS that they can talk to on the phone. And I found that there was like this secret, secret code to get through to a real person. I'm not even kidding. Okay, you don't press one for the refund, you press two, okay? So I press two, and then I press one, and then I press three, and then I press two. But then it says, don't, whatever you do, it's gonna ask for your social security number, don't put it in. Okay, that's the secret code, don't put it in twice. So I don't put the code, and I don't put the code in, and then it says, okay, but then now there's this secret menu. Okay, press two. I press two. Finally, I get to a real person. Okay, well, I found the secret code. I cracked it. Okay, uh, this is like national treasure stuff, right? I finally get through to a real person and they say, let me check on it and I'll get back to you, right? A few weeks later, <laughs> I call again, but now I have the secret code. I get to somebody and finally they say, we'll take care of it. There was a computer glitch. Okay, why did it take almost six months? And we say, oh, that's just the government, right? There's a famous quote uh, made famous by Ronald Reagan where he said um, that the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, um, I'm from the government and I'm here to help, right? <laughs> some of you are laughing and some of you are upset, okay? But the point is we all have frustrations and disappointments with the government, right? And, and I'm not just saying this if you're a Republican, we all do. Some of you are like, yeah, we need more money for the government so they can take care of stuff like this so they can have the, more, the staff that they need at the IRS. Some of you are saying we need less government. But whatever your political persuasion is, we all say we have frustrations and disappointments. We want them to do certain things to make our lives better and to make our country better, and yet there's always frustrations and disappointments. Let's just acknowledge it, right? So, so whether you're, you're Republican or conservative and you say we need less government, you're still asking for the government to help things so they can get out of the way so that you can do your business and life can be better. Or if you're on the other side of the political persuasion, you said we need more government, we need better funding, we need better people getting in there and, and funding enough so that they can hire the right people so that we can take care of some of these issues in our nation. Whatever your political persuasion, it doesn't matter, but we look at it and we are all frustrated and disappointed. And yet we keep looking to them to make things better. Do you see the problem that we have right now? <laughs> we look to the government for help, and yet we can't get that help. It leads to frustrations and disappointment. But let me tell you this, that our hope for the future is not based on our government. If we are followers of Jesus, we have a much greater hope, and yet it is in government. Okay, but it's not any human government. So if the nine most terrifying words in the English language, and of course that's an exaggeration, but are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help, maybe the nine most hopeful words in the English language are, Jesus will establish the government that will truly help. Okay? Jesus will establish the government that will truly help. And I know that I'm, I'm stepping on some eggshells talking about politics, especially this year, right? But I know somebody's going to be listening to this. If you want hope in the future, some of you are just going to say, I need to share this with my Trump voting friend. Please share it with them right now. Some of you are going to say, for those people who loved Biden and had their Biden signs, I'm going to share it with this person. Okay? Share it with somebody because people are looking again and again to the government, and at least every four years we are disappointed, aren't we? At least every four years. Because the government can't fix everything. They can't accomplish all the things we want them to do. There's still problems, there's still issues, because we're all human, and there's sin, and there's errors, and there's issues, and there's bureaucracy, 
But the nine most hopeful words perhaps are Jesus will establish the government that will truly help. And that's what we're going to see. Yes, from the message of Christmas in Isaiah, this prophecy about Jesus and his birth is going to talk about government. And it's something we don't even think about, but it's in there and it's so powerful. So let's look at this in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. You can follow along on the YouVersion app as well if you want to take notes. Uh, you can, can search for our um, Arise Denver uh, location event. So I'm going to read these two verses in nine, Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government, yes, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This week, when everybody had left the office, I turned on Handel's Messiah super loud, just because I was like thinking about it, and I was listening for it. The everlasting Father. Okay, you didn't even know I was going to sing today for you. That's free. You didn't have to pay for that one. Okay, and then verse 7, it continues. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This great prophecy that's enshrined in our music that we, we talk about, you've probably heard these verses, even if you're not a Christian, you've heard that, right? Of the greatness of his government. We, we talk about this with Jesus. And, and I think sometimes we don't even realize that it says the word government twice in that passage, right? But that's what it's talking about, this, this government that somehow Jesus is going to bring with him, this son that is to be born. Now, of course, Isaiah wrote that maybe 600, 800 years before Jesus ever came, and yet there's promise of this Messiah who would finally bring the government where there would be peace, where there would be justice. And that's what we look forward to. Now, that word government that you see in verse 6 and 7, if you, if you look a little bit closer at verse 6, it says the government that is coming. That word government is sometimes translated as dominion or rule, or it could even be possibly translated as kingdom, right? There's this power, this, this reign. Now, the kingdom of God is actually the central, central message of Jesus. Did you know that? He used the word church three times, as we have recorded in, in all four Gospels. Three times Jesus used the word church. He used the word kingdom 121 times. Okay, so this was a big deal to Jesus. In, in fact, uh, George Ladd and others have studied it. This was the central message to who Jesus was. What he talked about is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not a place right now. It is a power. It is not a realm like we think of in, in the kingdom you know, of, of whatever, United Kingdom. It's not a realm, it's God's reign, okay? It's his power and authority over something. When a king rules, he has power over people and over things. That, that's what it's talking about. There's a king that's going to establish this government that will have power. And, and this is important for us to recognize. So in this prophecy that's happening, it's saying, hey, there's going to be this kingdom, this government that will be established that we are to look forward to. Now, when Jesus did come, if you do listen to the words that he preached, he would say things like, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. It, it was there, and, and people could enter the kingdom. Jesus said, this is how you enter the kingdom. This is how you become a part of the kingdom. It's something, even starting with Jesus' birth, that was beginning to be established. It, it was something that was there and present 
in reality. And yet we know, and what we're looking forward to, is that it is not fully here yet, right? Theologians have a very simple term for this, that it's already and not yet. The kingdom of God is already and not yet. Okay, type that in if if you're commenting, already and not yet. Because it's already here, and yet we know it's not yet fully realized. This is so important for us to understand. Even you too pick this up, okay? Do you remember the famous song? Uh, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. This is some of the lyrics in the song. Maybe you've never noticed closely. It says, I believe in the kingdom come, then all the colors will bleed into one. Bleed into one. But yes, I'm still running. You broke the bonds and you loosened the chains. Carried the cross for my shame of my shame. You know I believe it. So that's Jesus, right? Carried my cross. And yet, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Okay, even Bono can say this, right? I've loosened my chains. I know that my sins are forgiven. I know that what Jesus did established the kingdom of God, but yet it's not fully here, is it? That's what we sing about. I, I think this year is a very clear indication of how this works. I, I remember I, I have a, a men's group, and, and we were meeting first thing Monday morning several weeks ago, and I just remember vividly because one of the guys was like, they have a vaccine, Okay, the 90 plus percent, you know, success rate. And we were all excited, right? Yes, we have the vaccine. We're, we're going to get out of this pandemic. COVID-19 is going to be defeated. We know that the end is coming, right? Great. And yet, we're still here right now, right? It's not yet. Some people have it, the first dose, but others are, are, are we're all waiting, right? If you're a young 30-something, you're going to be waiting a while, and this is hard because we know the end is, is coming. We know something great is here, and yet it's not already figured out. So it's already, but not yet. Do you guys get that? And I know this is important for me. I found out Friday that my grandma has COVID. I got a text this morning from my mom. She's in the hospital. She was probably weeks away from getting this vaccine, right? If you want to pray, her name's Jan. Please pray for Jan. Um, but but we're, we're like, wow, already it's so close. I think we made it through in our family, and yet we're still. And a lot of you guys are dealing with this. If you're watching online or you're here in person and you want prayer for someone you know with COVID-19, please send us their name. Comment it in. Send us a message. We will pray for it. I'll pray for it personally for that person. Because we feel that, don't we? I feel it. Yes, there's this hope, and yet it's not yet fully realized. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, it's the same way. It's already established by Jesus in his birth, life, death, and resurrection, but it's not yet fully realized. It's already not yet. But it does mean we have some hope to look forward to, right? It does mean we have something that we can look forward to, even greater than a vaccine. Because guess what? Something else will kill you, even if it's not COVID-19. But there is something good to look forward to. I I want you to notice just a couple things about the description of this great kingdom. Look in verse 7, where it says, Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. The the peace there will be no end. Doesn't that sound good? The word peace in Hebrew is the the word shalom. It, it, It means the absence of war. So yes, John Lennon got that right, you know. Christmas is here, war is over, right? You, you've maybe listened to that song this year. He got that part right. It means the absence of war, but it also means the presence of flourishing. Presence of flourishing. Shalom is so much greater than the absence of conflict. It means that there's goodness, that there's peace all around us, that there's shalom, that people are flourishing, 
that we don't have to worry as much about where we're going to get our next meal or the people that are homeless or in poverty, that will all be gone in the shalom, the peace that is to come. Man, that's something worth looking forward to, isn't it? Something I long for, I look forward to, and, and it says there will be no end. Man, that sounds good, right? It's not like we have to wait till the next recession or depression, and then everything's going to be ruined again. Like we do even when there's a government bailout, we're like, well, how long is that going to last? But with the kingdom of God, this peace will never end. There will be no end. When I was reading this week, man, I love when this happened. I was studying, and sometimes I'm just studying these like theological books. But man, sometimes there's just this theology that is just so rich and powerful. There's, there's this quote, and I just wanted to share it with you. It's, it's from a pastor and, and theologian. Um, if we can pull, pull that up, it, it's from uh, Dane Ortland, I think. If we can go back. It's not that one. Sorry. I must have put them in the wrong order. If there's ever an issue with tech stuff, it's not them, it's me, okay? I just want you to know, Mari is doing an incredible job. It's Ray Ortland, I'm sorry. Uh, well, let me, let me, let's just skip it. Maybe we'll come back to it later. Okay. But the point is that the kingdom of God will go on and on and on forever. The peace will go on and on, and it will be human flourishing forever and ever. And, and isn't that a good thing to look forward to? It talks about in the book of Revelation that there will be no more sickness, sorrow, pain, or death. So the answer is not universal health care. The answer is the peace that comes with the kingdom of God. Because then you won't even need health care because we will all be healthy. Our brokenness, our, our bodies that, that break down and, and eventually die. We can look forward to the kingdom. And I know that my grandma can look forward to the kingdom. Because right now, even before COVID, she had dementia and her mind was broken down. The last time I saw her, I think she kind of recognized me. But you know, it's, it's hard, right? But I know that when she gets to the kingdom of God, because she is a follower of Jesus, that she will have her whole mind restored forever, never to break down again. Now that's the kind of peace that I want. That is, is what we long for in the kingdom of God. It's something that even the best government in our world can provide. It, the best medical system in our world can't provide that. But Jesus can. And that's the future hope we look forward to, isn't it? Amen. The peace that will never end. But it also says in verse 7, it also says in verse 7, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Justice and righteousness. This means the people that are running the government will not have issues. They will not have foibles. They will not have um, character breaches. They will not be texting pictures to, of who knows what to who knows who, right? We don't have to worry about that because they're going to do things righteously. The people who reign, who will be those who are followers of Jesus, will reign with righteousness. There will never be any evil or sin that you'll have to worry about. There's no more corruption, no more draining the swamp. And it says there will be justice to man. This is what we're longing for this year. This year has, has not only been difficult because of COVID-19, but because of the injustices we see in our world. With people uh, that we look at who are minorities in our country being treated unfairly, those who are suffering and dying at the hands of police officers, we see injustice in our world. And we fight and debate about it, right? Okay, was he justified, this police officer, or was he not? Okay, there's debate because it's hard to figure out justice. Should he be fired? That wasn't enough. 
Okay, the, the fact that he could, could retire with honors from the police department, that's not enough. He needs to be fired. But is even being fired enough? There should be punishment. People are debating this, right? Because it's so hard to figure out what is just. We're still waiting for that clear-cut issue, right? But there's never any because it's so hard to mete out pure, perfect justice. How do we know that the punishment meets the crime? We don't know. It's so hard to establish justice on our earth, even with body cams, even with um, people that are watchdogs, even with people going around with their own cameras to catch things. And, and then we worry about the DA, then we worry about the, the prosecutors. I mean, there's all things that are happening in our world. And, and can we say, is there justice or is there not? That police officer was treated unfairly. That criminal was treated unfairly. That person was treated like a criminal when they weren't a criminal. These are all the things that are going on in our world, right? And we're looking for and hoping the government can get it right, but they fail again and again. There's disappointments, right? But in the kingdom of God, there will never be any disappointments because there will be pure and perfect justice. There will be a king who knows all things, who knows all things, and he will make all things right. And if there is injustice in this life, he will make sure in the life to come that there is only pure and perfect justice. That if you are hurt now, there will be reward then. And if you go through this life without receiving the punishment you deserve, you will receive it ahead. There's a perfect judge who knows all things and knows all hearts. And he doesn't have a flawed memory. See, this is what we look forward to in the kingdom of God. That justice will prevail forever. Forever. That's what it says. From this time on and forever. Can you guys say forever? forever. Now, let, let's say it like, like uh, Squints from uh, the baseball movie. Uh, Sandlot, thank you. Forever. One more time. Forever. That's what's going to happen, right? In the kingdom of God. Forever. That the justice will reign. There will only be what is right. That's something I look forward to. And, and that's what the birth of Jesus says will happen. And that's the future hope we have. Not that our government or our police departments or some other third-party watchdog will get it right, but that Jesus one day will. Now, some people look at this whole concept of our hope in the future kingdom, and they say, well, that just is going to lead to apathy, okay? that, that people are going to stop caring. This is a, a, a frequent uh, criticism of Christians, that because we hope in the future that heaven will be perfect, that means that he, Christians here are just kind of letting everything go to pot. Well, who cares? Because Jesus will one day fix it all. But what I have seen, and if you look historically, and it, it, the Christians around us, is that actually those who are Christians and, and look forward to this future hope that everything will be made perfect, try the hardest now in this life to make things better. Because we actually have this vision of what things could be like. So we are actually going to strive to do righteously, uh, to, to act justly in this world, that we will try to make things better and bring peace to people around us. And, and it's true, this was actually a big criticism of Christianity in relation to slavery in our country. They said, look at the Negro spirituals in particular. They're saying so much about how perfect heaven would be on Jordan's stormy banks. And, and you can look out across, and there's all these spirituals, swing low, sweet chariot. And they sang these, these spirituals, and, and people criticized that. Oh, that was just Christianity trying to put them down. But in reality, it was the exact opposite. There was a, a really interesting study and book that was written by... Um, uh, uh, Howard Thurman, a, a, you know, the, the famous African-American historian, scholar, um, civil rights person, and he studied this, and in 1948, he gave a lecture at Harvard, and he said, if you look at it 
truly, closely. It was the Christians that were in the civil rights movement and even before that in slavery who fought even harder for freedom, who fought harder for civil rights because they could view heaven in front of them and they longed for it to come here now, on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we pray as Christians. So the reality is, is this future hope is something that we can long for and we can put our hope in and not be disappointed with again and again and again, at least every four years. It is something that we look forward to and know finally everything will be made perfect and I can act now to make my world a little better. That I can step in and do what's right whenever I can and if I see an injustice, I will speak up or I will step in to fix things. That I will make our world better, I will make our government better if that's what I'm called to do. I will vote for the people that I think can make that human flourishing happen right now. And we're going to do that. So, so don't hear this message to say, I can sit back and just let the world go to pot. No, no, no. As Christians, we do the opposite. We love our neighbors. And we know that one day, Jesus will make all things right. And we have the greatest hope, the best hope, because we won't be disappointed in our candidate. We won't be disappointed in our party. We won't be disappointed even in the United States of America. Billy Graham, of course, we know is the great evangelist preacher. He was very close to a lot of different presidents, and he was the closest probably to Richard Nixon. They actually became quite good friends, and, and he was super disappointed after Nixon's scandal. And it turns out that Nixon had secretly recorded Billy Graham without his knowledge. And it was kind of a scandal for Billy Graham, too, because Billy Graham was kind of sitting there as they said some pretty awful racist comments, Nixon and his cabinet. And after this, Billy Graham said to Christianity Today about 10 years later, he said, I came close to identifying the American way of life with the kingdom of God. Then I realized that God had called me to a higher kingdom than America. He realized his mistake. And I hope that, that some of us will see the same thing that Billy Graham did. America, as great as our nation is, as amazing as the principles that we stand on, even some very biblical principles that our nation is founded on, it's not the kingdom of God. And it never will be. We look forward to a kingdom that is much greater than this nation. Chuck Colson said that salvation will not arrive on Air Force One. It's true. And if we want true future hope, it's not in, in a better democracy, it's not even in a better socialism or communism or any other type of government that our world could have. It's in Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus alone, who is the King of Kings who will have the government upon his shoulders, and he and he alone can hold that up and uphold righteousness and justice forever and ever without end. Our future hope is in Jesus. And that's why what we celebrated at Christmas is so important, because that prophecy, right, that for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. We, we, we celebrate the birth of this Savior, where, where the kingdom was established at the beginning. But we know that it's not in its fulfillment yet. We know we can trust it because Jesus was a perfect human being. Even though he had all power, even though he was the king of kings, in heaven he laid down his crown. And he became a human, even a poor little baby. And then he lived among us, walked among us to show love and justice and righteousness. And then Jesus, 
though he was the king of kings and he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. They were crying out, Hosanna. The king was coming into Jerusalem finally, right? But then that king was rejected. His own people rejected him. They shunned him and they mocked him. They made him wear a purple robe and a crown of thorns and put a sign above him to mock him as king of the Jews. This king, no, you are dying as a criminal. Yet even the king of kings was willing to lay it all down, to die on the cross because he knew that that's what he would have to do to purchase for us our forgiveness and to make the kingdom of God truly come. Because Jesus on the third day, after he had died and been put in the tomb, rose from the dead to show that God has all power on this earth, even over sin, death, and the devil. That Jesus can bring down that, that kingdom of heaven because right now he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is on his throne right now. He's ruling in heaven and one day he will come back. In Revelation, we, we are told when this will finally happen. In Revelation 19, it says, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages war. And then jumping down to verse 15, it says, Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Yes, Jesus has a tattoo. Okay. He is the king and he wants everyone to know that he has come to rule over those nations who have disappointed and frustrated and even done great evil and atrocity. Jesus will rule over them. And he will establish his justice and righteousness forever. And that will be the shalom we look forward to. Christmas, yes, we look back to when Jesus was born, but we also look forward to when that king will come again, already and not yet. That is future hope. As we have the band come up, I, I hope that if you're listening to this, you, you, you may have frustrations with our government. We all will, right? the nine most terrifying words in the English language. <laughs> I'm from the government and I'm here to help. But perhaps the nine most hopeful are that Jesus will establish the government that will truly help. Let's pray. Um, Lord God, we all have disappointments, frustrations um, with our government, with the way things are going. Um, some of us are, are hopeful about the next four years, others disappointed. We have Republicans and Democrats, we have Green Party, we have Libertarians, we have no party people in our, in our church, and we love that. And because we do look forward to the kingdom of God, because we even know there that there will be people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nations that will be worshiping the king. People from every party on this planet. And Lord God, we look forward to that day because we know that we are not yet there. We are not yet there, but Lord God, I pray that you fill us with the hope that we would know that one day there will be peace and righteousness and justice that will never end. Now with eyes closed and heads bowed, some of you are in here right now, maybe you're listening to this and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ and for you, he won't be Lord, but one day he will be king. He will come to this earth and you will have to acknowledge him as king. But if you do it now, you will get to reign with him forever. And if you don't, you will be cast out forever. So I hope and pray that you will make the decision right now to make Jesus your Lord and Savior because he died on the cross to forgive you of your sins. 
So would you please say this prayer after me if you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Dear God, thank you for loving me. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Save me. I declare that Jesus is King. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to follow you and serve you for all my days. Amen. Now with heads bowed, eyes closed, if you made, said that prayer for the first time that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, would you please just slip your hand into the air? If you're online watching this, would you go to arisedenver.com slash follow, fill out that form. I'd love to encourage you and even send you a book to, as you start this new journey with Jesus. Now let's pray for all of us. Lord God, I'm just so grateful um, that you sent your son, that to us a son was given. And Lord God, we are glad that the king laid down his crown for us. And Lord God, we, with the angels who sang that night, we are going to rejoice right now as well. Because you are the king of kings and your kingdom will never end. 